London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. How's it going, everybody? My name's Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR Lander University Radio. I'm joined with my co-host, as always, Jamison Hartso, and we are here to talk for you guys for the next two hours. All the latest sports news, updates, and highlights throughout college and NFL football in the NBA, all your favorite sports leagues. We're here to talk about it. Jamison, it's a great Wednesday afternoon. How are you doing, man? How, how are we doing right now? Oh, man, you know how it is. It's sports, sports, sports. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. I'm glad to be here with you guys. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we, we really enjoy it. And as always, Hayden, thank you for um, doing all you do for the show and all your hard work you put in. Um, but uh, really excited to have the show. I think we got some good points to talk about today. And, uh, yeah, uh, like Hayden always mentions, if you ever want us to talk about something, be sure to like DM us or uh, direct message us or anything of that nature. Comment, and uh, we'll be glad to discuss it. Yeah, I'm good. I, I'm am glad to say I have a bunch of I have a bunch of buddies who go to USC and different schools from my hometown, and uh, they've been wanting to get on the show a lot recently. And this this attains to everybody else out there listening. But uh, I know XLR, we're very close to getting our phone line working. So just follow us on social media at X Off the Bench XLR on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram to get updates on that because once we get a phone line working, we are going to encourage you guys so strongly to join on the show and give us some questions during the show for us to answer. We love to get you guys involved. Engagement is one of our top priorities here on Off the Bench. So just stay tuned to our social media and uh, we'll get all of that straightened out for you guys. But Jamison, sports coming up. We had, I mean, for the NFL especially, this weekend was big news for both of our big teams, and uh, we'll get into that later, but uh, obviously Dallas Cowboys are sucking. Bill O'Brien was fired from the Houston Texans, but we'll be getting into that a little bit later. As for myself and you, we have the NBA, as always, talking out and starting out, and there's a lot of big topics. Um, I mean, first off, we got to start with the NBA Finals, obviously the biggest topic right now. The Heat, or while we were away, you know, we're a weekly show, while we were away, the Heat did pull a Game 3 victory they got the series back 2-1, and one, had a good shot, but then last night in Game 4, the Lakers took a commanding 3-1 lead. Or, I mean, a 3-1 lead could be scary in this playoffs. It has not lasted very well for Western Conference teams, so we'll see how the Lakers can handle it. If any team can handle it, they can handle it, but the Lakers now lead the series 3-1. to one. Le- uh, LeBron James, AD, carried the team last night. AD had a dagger of a shot in Game 4, but I want to focus on Game 3 to start off, Jamison, this this game happened last week after our show, but following the vict- Miami's victory in Game 3, a lot of the Lakers players walked off the court. I'm assuming you've seen this video of it happening, and, you know, the shot clock and the game clock, there was a little bit of a difference, so by the time the shot clock gave up and the possession changed, there was about, about 0.7 seconds left on the clock or something like that. But uh, before the shot clock ran out, LeBron James and a bunch of other Lakers players just booked it high tail to the locker room, just saying, screw this game, it's over. And there's been a lot of cri- criticism about LeBron James because of this, obviously. You know, the leader of this team, the talented team, he left the game before it was over, and I don't know if he was aware of the uh, of the of the shot clock and game clock being a difference, but Jamison, how do you feel about him leaving in general? Just what effect that really shows? Yeah, you know, it's just, it was just a rare, uh, classless move by LeBron James. Obviously, he's one of the biggest sports figures, one of the biggest um, figures in all of sports. He has uh, a lot to do uh, with all sports. Um, he's probably one of the most famous athletes 
um, in playing sports today. Um, and so he, he really carries a lot of attention. He um, He's going to have that spotlight on him 110% of the time. And, uh, yeah, it was just a classless move. Uh, you know, he knows better than that. And um, I obviously, I, you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of LeBron James, uh, but um, you don't you, you don't see that a lot of uh, from LeBron James. Um, you know, as much as I don't like him, um, but he, that's just not that's not who LeBron James mm-hmm. is. You don't see that as often. And LeBron James, um, Stephen A. Smith said it best. He said it was just a rare classless move uh, by LeBron James, and uh, uh, but. Not not a very good not a very good uh, spotlight or not a very good uh, headline to be getting if you're one of the most famous athletes on the planet right now. Uh, not very not a very smart move by him, and uh, he should have um, he should have stayed on the court, you know. Um, and obviously he's frustrated. They just took a loss, um, but man, that's that's sports. You're gonna lose. You know he's lost plenty of games, plenty of games. And uh, this is really uncalled for, in my opinion. And I don't think that he should be, uh, he should do that, uh, especially as a as a role model that he is to so many kids out in the world. And uh, not a very good, not a very good example he's setting for younger kids and um, uh, just anybody. Um, so just a rare classless move by LeBron, uh, unfortunate. But on the other side of the ball. I've got two words for you. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Buckets. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, he just balled out in game three. Uh, unbelievable game. And, uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler really played very, very well. Um, Tyler Hero, just unstoppable. Not 20 years old, unbelievable player. Um, they looked really sharp in game three. Game four, they looked really good, too. Obviously, there was a lot of mishaps by both teams. Uh, and the score does not show how this game turned out uh, or how the game was actually – how the game went. It was neck and neck uh, like the it entire was, time. It was neck and neck, tied up, five-point game, three-point game, two-point game, uh, the whole entire game. Uh, really, really close game the whole way. And uh, at the end, man, the Lakers just squeezed it out. But, man, it was a very close game. Uh, some teams just, some of the players just did not play as expected. You know, uh, the Lakers only put up 102 points. Is that right? 102? Um, yeah, and, something like uh, that. I think it was 102 to 96, 94. Um, and, uh, so it was just a very, very good game, a very close game. Uh, but both teams have a lot of work to improve on and the heat really has got to play lights out. They've got to win out. They've got to win out now. Um, and so, uh, can they do it? Yeah. I mean, they showed a lot of, a lot of good things last night, uh, and especially in game three. So, uh, the heats really got to play some good basketball, uh, in the next stretch of games, uh, and the Lakers, man, if AD stays hot, it's going to be tough to beat them. Um, and a lot of people are discussing who's going to win the finals MVP if, um, if the Lakers win, and in my opinion, it's Anthony Davis, without a doubt. Um, he has just absolutely played lights out. If it wasn't for Anthony Davis, there would be no no Lakers in the NBA Finals, and I, I believe that. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that. I mean, 
it's tough for one for you know LeBron to lead a team to the finals, and regardless, it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, he did that back with Cleveland for about four straight years, and I mean, even looking at I've I've said this to a lot of people recently. Like, look at the Lakers team. Who do they really have besides LeBron and AD? It's really a a two a two player team with like a bunch of bunch of nobodies on the rest of the squad. I mean, we know their players obviously they're because they're the Lakers, but like questioning or asking the question who's the Lakers' third best player is a really hard thing. Whether it's Caruso. KCP or Kuzma, like whoever you want to think their third best player is. So it's really between LeBron and AD. I agree with you on that one. But I want to drop it back to game three, like we were talking about earlier, and with LeBron walking off the court. I just want to say this about it. I mean, my main reasoning is like what you said. Jimmy Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler played phenomenal in game three. Obviously, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. He was lights out that game. The first 40-point triple-double in finals history. I know LeBron wanted that title because he definitely should have gotten it at some point. I feel like in his Cleveland days, he should have had a 40-point triple-double in the finals. But I feel like mostly... LeBron walked up off the court, I mean, mainly because he maybe didn't know the time, you know, but as a veteran player he is, he should know the game clock, he should know the shot clock, I'm not giving him that excuse. I think the main reason he walked off the court was just he was frustrated, he was very disgusted with himself. I mean, look at the game he played, this was the first time in his finals career he was ever outscored, out-rebound, and out-assisted by one player on the other team, and obviously Jimmy Butler did that, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, and LeBron only had 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, so he was completely outmatched on all three phases of the ball by Jimmy Butler. And LeBron was just, I think, disgusted with himself. It was the first time he's ever done that. Jimmy Butler put up the first 40-point triple-double, and it's the first time a player of LeBron's caliber with someone in his 10th NBA Finals has ever been outscored, rebounded, and assisted by another player. So I think LeBron was mostly just mad at himself, mad at the fact that they couldn't get the sweep done. Because, I mean, you look back in, 20, in 2018 when he was on the Cavs against the, uh, the Warriors, and they got their butts kicked in that finals. They got swept 4-0. I'm sure LeBron thought he could have swept this Heat team, and so he wouldn't have looked as bad for getting swept if he was able to sweep another team. Sadly, that's not going to happen now because the Heat actually were able to pull a game out of the series. So LeBron, you know, just mostly frustrated himself. And and uh, with the Heat going forward, you know, he did end up winning game four. So maybe that gave him like the extra 10 seconds he needed to prepare for game four. He ended up getting it finished. So they got game four done. Obviously, game five, I think, is what, Friday night, I believe? I'm not... It'll probably be tomorrow night. It's usually every other... Uh, it's been every other day, but I know yeah. like... I feel like I looked at it and it was messing. But, but either way, Thursday night, Friday night, whenever this game is... Uh, I know the Heat are going to play in their A game. Jimmy Butler is going to have another, going to have to have another phenomenal performance. And I mean, the fact that it took a forty-point triple-double just for them to win shows really what the Heat need to do. They just need to, to really just own up in the shots. Like this past game four was a defensive game, like you said, one hundred two to ninety-six. I think it was the score was. So it was a very defensive game. It wasn't that high scoring. Some of these games in the finals have gone up upwards of like 120 points 115 points so this is more of a slower paced game but I think that's the way the Heat really need to play they they were like we said they were neck and neck they were neck and neck this entire game you know halftime score was close first quarter third quarter it was close it just happened in the fourth quarter Anthony Davis had that big three and the Lakers pulled away late in the game and the Heat just couldn't get shots I mean what really it came down to was they were fouling LeBron James way too much within the final two minutes and he got like what he got like six free throws like in a row on like three straight possessions for the Lakers and obviously that's six straight points and I don't think the the heat besides like maybe a three or a two from Tyler Hero really did anything to counteract that so the heat just really need to you know play their strength they're a shooting team Bam Adebayo is going to own the own down low against Anthony Davis they just got to figure that out and uh they'll be they'll be good to go I don't I mean if they came back from a 3-1 deficit LeBron's legacy goodbye it's tarnished Michael Jordan's the goat without a doubt 
I mean, I think he already is, but there's obviously still a debate going up. But my, uh, if LeBron James doesn't win this finals at this point, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny following him this offseason. So the Heat have what it takes to pull it off. I just don't know if they're going to end up pulling it off in the end. But uh, we'll have to see. I just had a, just had a Tyler Hero jersey arrive in the mail this, today, you know. So it's one of my favorite <laughs> basketball players. I already have his, uh, his college jersey, but I did get a I got a Miami Vice jersey from him. Because, so, I mean, I love the dude. He's, like, one of my favorite players. He's literally my age. Like, that's crazy. But, um. But yeah, he's one of my favorite players. This, this playoffs kind of cemented it. So hopefully, hopefully this turns the tracks for him a little bit. Three one, let's go up. Let's you know, I'm committed to being a Heat fan at this point. I'm just kind of a bandwagon, but I've been liking them for like the last couple years anyway. So we're just gonna stick with it. So it's our secret. But uh, but yeah, so we'll see where this goes. But Jameis, we have another news you put into the doc. Doc put into the Google <laughs> Doc. I said that twice. Put into the Google Doc. You put Doc Rivers moving on. Uh, obviously, he was let go of the Clippers following this, and now he's signed with the 76ers. Jameson is I we were make, I was making jokes I was making jokes this uh, playoffs that the process is finally over with. It's finally over. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, that process is done with. But Doc Rivers is now in the mix. Do you think this? Do you think the 76ers have a little bit better of a chance? I mean, they've they've been like they've been like the Celtics the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. they're a talented young team. They just can't ever get to like the finals. You, either because of LeBron or because they couldn't beat the Raptors or apparently now the, the the Miami Heat. But do you think this Doc Rivers makes the 76ers a step up? you think they can get to the Celtics territory? You know, they've been, play, trying to, they've been kind of playing little brother to the Celtics. you think it kind of bumps them up a little bit? I mean, Doc Rivers is a great coach. There's no doubt about it. They, he, they, brought, they brought a great team uh, to the NBA bubble this year. Uh, really, uh, everybody thought that they were going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Um, and, 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 you know, he, he had an excellent, excellent talent on that team, uh, with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, obviously he didn't show his talent, uh, but I mean, just a lot of great players, um, on that Clippers team, but I mean, Doc Rivers is a great coach. Uh, and you really show he really showed that during the NBA bubble, obviously he could not take them to the finals, but. Uh, was that Doc Rivers' fault? Uh, you know, they they always they always blame. It's always the coach's fault. Uh, they're always the one that pays the price, and uh, they get the consequences for it. Um, just like Bill O'Brien, which we will talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, he got let go, but um, that's a story for later on in the show. Um, but man, it's 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 so hard to tell. I mean, the coaches do make huge differences on teams. Um, and so I guess I guess time will tell. Uh, I think he's a great coach. He's I think Doc Rivers is just one of those guys that can just fit in anywhere, and uh, he can just uh, coach anywhere and uh, make a huge difference. And so I'm just really excited to see uh, what he does with the team and with the 76ers and uh, where they go. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the young team uh, they've got some talent on there, and they, they need a really hard, uh, tough coach that knows the game of basketball. And so I think they're gonna. They're going to, he's going to do a fine job over there uh, in Philadelphia. Obviously, he's going to be at a very, very big, big, uh, big change going from the West Coast to the East Coast. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a, a big three, um, a big, uh, dif- a big difference in just city wise and everything like that. Different fan bases, everything. But um, Doc Rivers is going to be just fine, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he does. Yeah, he, he got a lot of, uh, he got a lot of criticism for that three-one beat beat down with Denver in the, in the in the playoffs this past year and I mean 
I think it's inexcusable to blow a 3-1 lead, especially in a talented caliber team that the Clippers were this year. They were expected to make the Western Conference Finals for the first time in 50 years. They were expected to go to the NBA Finals and beating the Lakers. You know, we wanted that. I know the media wanted that battle of, a, battle of L.A. very badly, and it just didn't happen, and he got a lot of slack for that. I don't blame him for the Game 7 loss at all. That was completely on uh, playoff P, pandemic P, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, dropping 24 points combined, 14 for Kawhi, 10 for Paul George. So that was on them. It was one of the worst shooting performances I've ever seen from a, from a really a championship-caliber team in the playoffs. So, but Doc Rivers blowing that 3-1 lead, and the, he just didn't make adjustments, and I think that's the reason the Clippers let him go. I definitely think the 76, 76ers are going to be a better team because of this. I definitely think it's an improvement in coaching. The 76ers, I just, I mean, I don't know. They've had the talent. I just don't think they've had, like, the immense talent. Obviously, not. they don't have a star, like, you know, a star, star, superstar. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are good good players, good basketball yeah. players, but uh, they don't have anybody spectacular. They don't have the Kawhi Leonard. They yeah. don't have the LeBron James. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the Heat don't either, and the Heat made it this far, so I don't see, there's no excuses at this point for what the 76ers have done. They should have, you know, they should have made something out of what they had because they have, I mean, Joel Embiid's better than any player on on the Heat right now, or at least he used to be. I don't, I don't know if you can make the case now with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo the way they've been playing this playoffs, but Joel Embiid's a pretty good basketball player, not going to lie. So <laughs> the 76ers, I just think, you know, Docker is going to prove them. It's just interesting to see where they're going to go this year, whether what they do in the draft, what kind of free agency moves they make. I know uh, I can't remember if Ben Simmons is on the verge of a big contract or not or if he already signed one. I really cannot tell but either way I'd, I'd be hesitant to think about signing t- him to a max if that comes to the case so we'll see where this direction goes it's definitely going to be a new look a new look 76ers team I think they really need to like rebuild this whole situation yeah. remake the process into the process to 2.0 we'll see what happens but but yeah it's you know you know we'll see what happens I'm just excited for the uh, NBA finals game five at this point I know the Heat are gonna win it in seven I said they're gonna win it in four win it in five I mean, look. I mean, I said this. I said, I said this earlier. They won the first series in four games. They won the second series in five. Won the the conference finals in six. So they're going to win the finals in seven. And this has perfectly, perfectly laid out their plan to win in seven, because they're three one down. They had to allow three losses at some point to force a game seven, and they've already allowed the first three. So now it's time for the miraculous comeback to win in seven games. It's all laid out perfectly. There will be a great movie made about this in a couple of weeks or a couple of years, so <laughs> we'll wait and see. But, you know, we have, uh, we have a little bit of time for another segment in this, in this segment. But, Jameson, we're going to shift over to college football. I know your favorite. We have a lot of big stuff happening in college football this week. And, Jameson, we're going to start with your hometown team, the Clemson Tigers. They got college game day this weekend. They get the Miami Hurricanes this weekend. And along with Hurricane Delta, they also get that this weekend. So double Hurricanes in Clemson, South Carolina, everybody. Jameson, it's the biggest opponent you all have faced in the regular season in a, in a while. You'll get yeah. Notre Dame later this year, which I originally thought was going to be the biggest opponent you all had. But Miami Hurricanes and De'Eric King have come out of nowhere. They're number seven in the country right now. And as well, North Carolina's knocking on your doors. But I don't think they play y'all this year, if I'm not too mistaken. No. So, But you got the Miami Hurricanes right now this Saturday. What is it, 7.30, I think, Eastern Standard Time at night. So you got, you got, got the night game, not a little sunset game right there. So, Jameson, how are you feeling with De'Eric King and company coming into town, number seven in the country? Yeah, well, last week we we, we hit on this Miami team, and uh, our big my big question was, where did this Miami team come from? And I think it starts with De'Eric King. And uh, De'Eric King, he runs the ball. Whenever he runs the ball, he runs like a running back. And you better have your big boy pads on uh, whenever he runs that ball. I mean, he is a phenomenal runner. And uh, the, the, a lot of guys compare him to – 
Lamar Jackson. Uh, we saw we saw we saw spurts of this in uh, against whenever he was in Houston, um, but wait then. This Miami team is just special. They've got a very, very special uh, front four in their defensive line. They like to make big, big plays. Uh, they like to de- uh, they like to interrupt uh, your your passing offense, and they like to make big plays. And uh, this Miami team is going to be really tough. I'm really excited for a great game. I'm going to be at the game. Uh, it's going to be super fun to watch. Uh, I, it's probably. It's probably the highest ranked opponent we've played in a very long time in in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited about that, and I'm just excited for the media to shut up and uh, finally we get to play somebody because we're we're anxious, we're excited, uh, we're super excited to have Miami, uh, phenomenal team, um, and uh, it's going to be a really really fun game to watch. Obviously, it's going to be a big game because game day doesn't show up to uh, little tiny games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is going to be a very good game, and uh, I'm just uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to, have to play. He's going to, have to play hard, and he's going to, have to expect the big plays, and he's going to have to wait for them to, to come. Both sides are going to have very big plays. A lot of first round draft picks, a lot of draft picks uh, on both teams, and uh, so Miami, uh, they're going to be ready to play, and I think Clemson will too. Uh, but yeah, like you said, there's going to be two hurricanes in the valley. This weekend, and uh, it's going to be a fun, fun game. Nineteen thousand uh, in the valley as well. Uh, but yeah, this Miami team is going to be somebody to to really uh, to really uh, watch out for. Obviously, like you said, the hurricane's coming, and we're we're assuming there's a big assumption right now that this game's going to be played in the rain. You know, I don't know how. I mean, we're saying hurricane, but again, this is the upstate we're talking about. The hurricane, <laughs> a hurricane for us up here in Greenwood and Clemson, and I'm, Jameson's obviously, you know, uh, Spartanburg. Spartanburg. I knew yeah. it was Spartanburg. I didn't want to say Greenville and accent. Spartanburg. I'm from Rock Hill. We're all from the upstate of South Carolina. Hurricanes for us basically mean about three inches of rain and school getting canceled because they think the buses are going to tip over from the wind. So, <laughs> hurricanes aren't really anything up here. So, see, saying that's going to, I don't. I mean, if it, if this game's flooded, if this field gets flooded, it's obviously going to come down to the run games. And the Eric King's a monster when it comes to the run game. Trevor Lawrence can run the ball too. You know, we saw what he did versus that big run against Ohio State in the college football playoff last year. He can run the ball, too. And and obviously, Clemson has one of the best running backs in the league, Travis Etienne. So if this game comes down to a run battle and a defensive battle, I'm 100% on Clemson's tail for this game. Obviously, they have the better defense, the better running game. It's going to have to come down to what Derek King and those guys can do when it comes to that. And, I mean... Looking, I mean, if you look, if you look at the three games that Miami's played already, they played FSU, they played Louisville, and they played UAB. And the only close game they had was against Louisville. They were ranked number 18 at the time. Louisville was, and they still beat them commandingly by 13. They dropped 47 points on Louisville. I'm happy for that, Kentucky fan. We love beating up Louisville. It's a pride that every team should go for. But UAB and FSU, obviously UAB is, you know, they're they're the nobody you played at the beginning of the year. And FSU, we don't know what's happened to them. They have imploded i don't even know what like fsu's those seminoles they're they're trash right now obviously got routed 52 to 10 and miami stepped up but i mean Derek king he's he's rushing he's a rushing like he's rushing king right you know Derek king he's a rushing he's a rushing king he hasn't put out the phenomenal stats passing wise only 100 or 776 wow i can talk 736 yards so far this year but it's just going to be a close game. I think what's really going to have to work in Miami's favor is just kind of slowing down the Clemson offense a little bit, stop them on their run game, force them in the third and longs. Virginia did the same thing this past weekend. Virginia couldn't capitalize on it because 
Virginia, you know, they could stop some of the plays and get Clemson to face, you know, third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve, and then Trevor Lawrence to make a throw and it'd be eradicated just like that. So I think if Miami can force them into those situations and capitalize on it just a little bit that Virginia couldn't, I think Miami's gonna have a shot at this game. But in the grand scheme of things, I think Clemson could beat this team by twenty plus points. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it happened. I think the spread is about twenty, twenty two. I think that's the spread. Um, I'm don't count me on that, but I'm pretty sure that it is that's what it is. I'll check it out. For um, you. but you hit on a couple things this week. This this past weekend, whenever Clemson played Virginia, it's fourteen, fourteen, okay, plus fourteen. Wow, okay, maybe against Virginia it was twenty-two. Then was the spread. Um, but again, whenever Clemson played Virginia, Virginia looked good on defense their their quarterback looked stocky they he looked big he looked fast he was strong he played like a linebacker and that's one thing that we're going to see out of um out of Derek King this weekend we're going to see the same things that Virginia's quarterback did he ran the ball well the very first quarter he didn't have a single pass a single completed pass um, and so that's where they got all they they gave up they they gave up first down second downs but then he ran the ball in third downs and uh, made some huge progress and really drove the ball well on that Clemson defense. So Clemson's defense is really going to have to step up, contain these quarterbacks, these running quarterbacks, and um, and they're going to have to play really well. Uh, you hit on uh, Clemson um, having these third down and longs. Mm-hmm. They've got to get out of these third down and long convert. These got, they've got to get out of these third down and long situations. Really put put themselves behind the chains later late in the uh, drive, and uh, they really hurt themselves. Uh, the one instant, I mean, we're not catching balls. Braden Galloway, the tight end, is not catching balls that he needs to catch. That's hitting them right in the hands. Uh, Mamari Rogers dropped one in the end zone. Very tough catch, but uh, still, uh, he needed to catch that ball. Uh, and so, just just some things uh, running. We got cannot get behind the chains running the ball. Uh, we need to get five or six yards on the v- first first and second down whenever we're running the ball. Um, and but Clemson looked they struggled in the first half. They mm-hmm. didn't score their first touchdown until twenty two seconds to go in the first quarter. Yeah, um, I like how and, that's that's uh, tough for y'all. One touchdown in the first quarter. It's yeah, crazy. And so. Uh, uh, I mean, they should have easily put up way more points than I think it was forty-one, forty-one, uh, what they put up. And uh, uh, but Clemson's just going to play a lot better offensively. They're going to play a lot faster. And um, but but their special teams is unbelievable right now. Uh, Will, Will Spires punting the ball is making a huge difference uh, for this Clemson team. Uh, making they're they're flipping the field. Uh, without a problem and putting uh, putting that Virginia offense back deep in their own uh, territory and uh, BT Potter is the best I've ever seen BT Potter kick uh, field goals. Um, so they're, the special teams is playing them phenomenally, uh, but this offense, man, they've got to start clicking. And uh, obviously, it's early in the season. They're three games in. They've played two cupcakes. Um, <laughs> Virginia wasn't necessarily a cupcake. A little bit better of a team. Uh, but then they're going to get a real test this weekend, and I think these guys are ready for it. Uh, and I think I've got Clemson pretty big on it. Uh, I think I think Clemson shows up uh, against teams that uh, that show up as well. Yeah, Dabo definitely has them ready. I mean, every year, every year they go into the college football playoff, and there's always the people like, are they prepared to play a very good Ohio State team? And then they route them by 30 points every single time. 
So Dabo has these guys ready for for the big games, even though they play a lot of cupcake teams, like you said, throughout the regular season. So they're gonna be they're gonna be well prepared for Miami. And I don't think Miami is a playoff caliber team, you know, at this point. They're, they've had a hot streak. They're being they're playing very good football right now. But I don't think you know I don't know if they're gonna finish this year in the top ten. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. They're a good team, but I can only—I really only see the three teams in the ACC right now: North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Clemson being the three that could potentially be in the top ten. North Carolina might—are they number ten or they're in the top ten right now? Ranking—I feel like I saw that somewhere, but uh, you know, they're playing really good football right now. But I feel—I mean, like I said, I mentioned the third downs. Uh, Miami has to force them into some uncomfortable situations. But I think the main reason they're going Miami has a chance at winning is if they can get that turnover chain out a couple times during the game, get a couple interceptions, a couple fumbles. They're going to, to be wearing that chain a lot. You know that. You know what I'm talking about, Jameson. Oh, you know. know the social media phenomenon that is. North so Carolina is eight. They're number eight. Wow, that's crazy. Country. That's yeah. okay. The phenomenal, phenomenal team. It's good for the ACC. Good for you guys. You know, at least you got some. You're not playing North Carolina, but it gives you a little bit more pedigree of winning that of winning that conference. So, but like I said, that turnover chain's got to be pulled out a couple times in this game if Miami wants a single chance. They have to limit the time. Lawrence is on the field and ETN and all those dogs down there in Clemson. They got to limit the time they're off. They're on the field. So turnovers help with that. That's the only way I see Miami taking this game over. But guys, we're going to run to a quick break here. When we get back, we got more college football talking. Oklahoma's upset again, not the good kind of upset. We like to hear about Alabama's dominance and a couple more topics. So guys, stay tuned for that. As always, if you missed out on some of the show or are not able to stay for the entire show, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OffTheBenchXLR. You can check out all our social media posts, our game picks of the week, our quotes, our video clips, all the fun stuff from the show. Check us out on social media there and as well. If you're not able to stay for the entire podcast, please consider subscribing to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Podcasts. We post these these episodes about an hour after they air so just stay tuned for there again just look up off the bench and you'll find us our green gray and white logo uh, all our episodes are there if you want to check out old sh- old shows or see the new ones whatever you want to do just follow us there but guys anyway stay tuned for some more college football talk and we will be right back after the song And we are back here on Off the Bench XLR Land University Radio. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined as always with my co-host Jamison Hartso. And we are about to, you know, dive a little bit deeper into college football. We got about another 30 minutes with you guys for college football. So, Jamison, you know, we just t- finished talking about the Miami Clemson game. You're going to be at the game in the rain, so excited to hear from you next Wednesday. You know, we're going to have we have a guest on the show next Wednesday, supposedly. You know, it's in the works, so we'll see how that goes. We we'll get to hear from you at the game. You know, your sideline reporting. See how that goes, but. <laughs> Guys, we're going to shift over. You know, Miami's playing, but we got, and Clemson's playing, but the number two team in the country, Alabama, you know, they're in the SEC, the tough SEC, and they murdered a Texas A&M team 52-24. to And there's a lot of questions with Alabama coming into the season. You know, how's Mac Jones going to perform? How's this team going to work without Tua Tungavailoa in the system? You know, he's been there the last couple of years. So, Jameson, I mean, 52-24, to I'm not surprised. You know, Alabama turns over quarterbacks like it's nothing. They're just, Nick Saban's great at it. They've done it for the last decade, it seems. So, what does this really tell you about this Alabama team? Are they a, a serious, serious threat to this national to winning the national championship? Or do you think Mac Jones and like their whole offense still needs to develop a little bit more come playoff time? Well, man, they, they look very sharp. Texas A&M is a phenomenal team. Clemson's experienced that multiple times, not just once or twice. Uh, they have seen they have seen the test that Texas A and M brings. Jimbo Fisher, phenomenal coach. I think 
a lot of questions arose uh, whenever he left Florida State and went to Texas A&M. But man, he has done a phenomenal job with this this Aggie team, and uh, they look they they are a great football team. It doesn't look like that by the score, but man, Kellen Mond, phenomenal quarterback. Um, and he's, I think he's a senior now, Kellen is, and, um, he's been in the program for four years now, and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback, and this just shows how good Alabama is. Alabama beating the Texas A&M Aggies just sends a message to this country that they are back. They are not the same team that they were last year with Tua Tagovailoa. They are not going to be uh, overshadowed by the LSU Tigers this year. And so, Hayden, my question for you is, Mm -hmm. are they back? And are they the team to beat in the SEC? Or is there somebody better that can beat Alabama? I mean, look. They're not the question I give them being if they're back or not. You know, they're not Texas. They they don't ever go away and try to come back and lie every year like Texas does. You know, this is Alabama. You know, they're in the college football playoff every year. Clemson's been in it pretty much since we've had the college football era. They're Nick Saban is going to lead this team to do great regardless of the personnel they have. And Mac Jones, you know, he sat behind some great quarterbacks. Was he behind Jalen Hurts when he was there too? I, I feel yep, like it might yep. have been like his freshman year. Mac yep. Jones is behind him. He was behind Tua. He's learning some stuff. And Mac Jones, obviously the starter now, put up phenomenal numbers against A&M. 74% completion percentage, which is, you know, 20 for 27, 435 yards and four touchdowns. Phenomenal game from him. And I don't even know, he he did play the whole game, so we'll give him that credit. I don't know. But Alabama being back, I don't think they ever left, first off. But I do think they're the front runners in the SEC right now with Florida. It's going to be a neck and neck between those two. Obviously, Alabama's in the SEC West, Florida in the East, but there's not really competitors, I feel, with them. Georgia just murdered Auburn, so I don't see Auburn as a competitor in the West. And Georgia, you know, Georgia's interesting because they have the new quarterback too, but I just don't see them as good as Florida. Something something about Florida is just very, I don't know, it's just, there's just something about them this year that tells me, like, they, if they play Georgia, they're going to murder Georgia. So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but something tells me about Florida. It's going to happen. So I really see this as being an Alabama-Florida competition. Alabama's number two. Florida's number three. What is Georgia now? Are they number four in the country? I think at this uh, point, Georgia is number three. It's Clemson. Oh, they're number three. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia at three, Florida at four, Notre Dame at five. Did Florida drop? I thought they were number three last week. No, Florida was five last week. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe I was thinking Georgia, but anyway, I still feel like Florida's the the front runner in this they've just played in a different way than georgia has even though georgia murdered auburn uh i just think auburn was a little bit overhyped this year in general but like going back to alabama i don't think they were ever doubted i don't think they were ever ever you know overhyped i think this team's legit i don't know if they're quite to the clemson level especially you know with some of their defensive issues but i think it's gonna be if i mean if this was a clemson alabama national championship game again i wouldn't be too surprised it'll be interesting to see how mac jones does in the championship but i wouldn't be surprised at that point i think nick saban had these guys ready Oh yeah, I totally agree. I th- I agree with you, what you said. They've never left, mm-hmm. but last year that was it was That's it was true. pitiful. It was, it was a little sad. Uh, so uh, it was not the Alabama that we're used to seeing. Obviously, now App- Appalachian State, uh, they those smaller teams, Tennessee. Uh, I wouldn't consider Tennessee like a smaller team, but they would have loved to be at that talent level that the Alabama team was at last year Mm -hmm. but that's not what everybody's used to seeing they're used to seeing the Alabama uh Crimson Tide dominate 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 and uh that's not what they're they are they're not dominating anymore uh they're they are not being they are not being chased they are chasing um 
and so I just say I just I'm saying they're back from kind of last year uh, because last year it was it was it was pitiful. Mm-hmm. It was really really pathetic, uh, and uh, just compared to what they could be and what they're used to being. And uh, so I think that they're they're going to be legit, and I think them blowing out Texas A and M. Texas A and M is now twenty one is now ranked at twenty one. Twenty uh, first in the country, and uh, beating them fifty two to twenty four, it sends a message to this country and them saying they're back and they're ready to play some football and they're serious about it. And so I think Mac Jones is doing a phenomenal job leading this Alabama Crimson Tide offense. Uh, and so I think, uh, like you said, I think it could be a Clemson Alabama uh, national championship if uh, if they don't get beat in the SEC championship or something like that. But uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I think Alabama is going to be lights out this year i mean yeah last year it was a down year i mean yes they, they lost probably the game of the century against lsu and the absolutely shootout of a game they lost that but i mean say they had won that game i don't think they would have lost to auburn later in the year because you know it's like it was a confidence thing i really feel like alabama lost they knew they had they were kind of out of it at that point and then they still lost to auburn in kind of a, a still a close game but a heartbreaker game that'd be at that so no Clems- clemson i mean they're back they don't have lsu to worry about this year lsu's already dropped a game their first game of the season to mississippi state and they're not looking too too hot this year so I think they're they're still one of the clear front runners with Florida. I do there's I mean there's a very strong possibility, Jameson, that this could be a three LCC team national champion or uh, playoff. You could I mean if you had to make the bets right now, you're looking Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida are pretty much you know they, they, that's a legitimate front runner. Obviously, some of those guys are going to have a loss come to the. Um, SEC championship yeah. game, but uh, it's certainly a possibility, especially if maybe a team like Notre Dame doesn't really become what we think they are. The Big 12's killing themselves, like we kind of said uh, last week and earlier in the show's life cycle. The Big 12's absolutely murdering themselves. I think the highest-ranked Big 12 team is Oklahoma State right now, which they're, they're I don't know if they're top 10 or fringe top 10, but they're like 3-0 right now. They're leading the Big 12. Oklahoma's absolutely wiped off the map, and Texas has already dropped a game. The Red River Red River, Red River rivalry, tongue twister, that's happening this weekend is going to completely eliminate one of those two teams. Either Oklahoma is going to fall to one and three, or Texas is going to be what two and two if they lose. So either of those teams, they're completely out of it. They're going to kill each other. So Big Twelve's absolutely fall. I think it's a possibility for a three SEC team championship. But you know, speaking of Oklahoma and this Big Twelve, Oklahoma didn't look like themselves again against Ohio or Iowa State. You know. Iowa State pretty much pulled off the Purdue upset against uh, Ohio State a couple years ago. They wore the full black. They wore their funeral attire. They beat the brakes off Oklahoma in a very embarrassing game for them. Jamison, uh, Oklahoma, you know, Spencer Rattler and those guys, they had a chance towards the end. You know, they had a chance to win it. There was a, a small chance, but they had it. But what do you what do you feel is to blame here? Lincoln Riley, obviously, quarterback guru, and they're starting this young guy, Spencer Rattler. Do you think it's on that, or do you think it's the defense's fault for allowing so many points per game? Man, I don't know. This is two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row we're talking about Oklahoma getting upset by nobody. Obviously, Iowa State is ranked 24th, but I just I don't think they're, they're as special as what Oklahoma could be. I mean, Oklahoma, this is the first time I've seen Oklahoma not ranked in a long time. It's their time. first time not ranked since 2016. That, four it's, years. It's unreal. It's unreal. This is not the Oklahoma we're used to seeing. You know, if we recall, whenever we were making our final four predictions, mm-hmm. guess who was my number four? Oklahoma. He was like, like they're my number not, three. They're not ranked right now. Uh huh. How quickly um, things change. And so it's it's un it's this is unreal. Um, it's it's so frustrating. Uh, because I think they're I 
I mean, I, I like Oklahoma. I think I like Lincoln Riley a lot. I like to watch him coach. I like his coaching style. Um, it reminds me a lot of Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's a big quarterback guy, and so is uh, Lincoln Riley. Uh, but, I mean, this Oklahoma team, two upsets. In my opinion, this is an upset. Um, just getting uh, – to me, this is a blowout. Obviously, a seven-point game, but – I mean, this Oklahoma team should not even be comparing. I mean, even coming close with this Iowa State team. Obviously, I'm going to give some. Uh, I'm not giving a lot of credit to Iowa State, but I mean, they're a good football team, and uh, and so don't don't get me wrong on that one. Uh, but Oklahoma, they've they've. I have no idea what has happened to them. Uh, obviously, their defense, huge, huge uh, missing pieces, and uh, I know that like they Oklahoma lost a lot of. Uh, assets in the NFL draft but man this is this is pitiful this is really pitiful I had them uh sneaking in at uh number four um Oklahoma that is uh sneaking at number four at the final of the season uh getting to uh number four playing Clemson uh to go into the national championship um but man this is this is just unbelievable um I'm, I'm just at a loss of words I mean, looking at the stats and stuff, it's so hard to really pinpoint an issue here. I know Iowa State had very good special teams that past game. Obviously, they had, like, it was either a punt return or kickoff return touchdown. I can't remember which is the which. But obviously, they had that, which ended up being the game-deciding factor, winning 37-30. to But I feel like, I mean, obviously, Oklahoma's had a defensive issue for a long time now. You know, they're an air raid offense. They were that way with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. They've, they've been a team that just piles on the stats on you. They'll drop 35, 40 points a game. And the defense is, you know, they're there. They're stopping the other team, which is usually a team far worse than them. But the defense is still allowing a lot of points. And they just don't – they never had that good of a defense. You know, it's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys with the college football right now. They're just – they're playing like have to score a ridiculous amount of points just to let up a ridiculous number of points. And that's been one of their biggest issues. But I think I think the reason for this year in particular there's a slow start is just Spencer Rattler at quarterback. And don't get me wrong, I think he's a phenomenal player. He was one of the top prospects coming out this year. But this kid is, this, like, this kid is literally the same age as me. He is two days older than me. And I'm, I just turned 20. He just turned 20. So they were they were starting a teenager at quarterback for o, the Oklahoma Sooners just a couple weeks ago before he turned 20. This kid's young. He's not... You know, he was a great prospect, but he's not in the system yet. He's not that knowledgeable yet because college football is a whole different breed than high school football, regardless of how good you are. He, I mean, in a lot of quarterbacks in the college football, they still will sit behind somebody, especially if you're in a good school like Oklahoma or Alabama with Mac Jones or somebody. You're sitting behind good quarterbacks, going to learn from them, and you won't even really get a, a start start until your sophomore or junior year, depending on how old that mentor quarterback is. So I feel like it's just it's mostly the slow starts on – Spencer Rattler, and not really his fault because he's putting up phenomenal numbers. It's just that he's not ready for the big th- the big stage. You know, he's making a few mistakes every now and then. I mentioned last week in the Kansas State game, he couldn't deliver late. You know, he needed some big third downs, and it wouldn't happen. He'd inter- he'd throw some interceptions. He had what was it three picks that game along with his four touchdowns. So you know, he's a young he's a young kid. He's just making a few mistakes, and that's really coming what's coming down to them losing this game. They're one and two right now. The game against Texas this weekend is going to be big to decide whether they're going to actually stay in competition this year. I don't want to see them in the college football playoff, regardless of if they win out. I know the committee is going to try to think about it if they win, if they end up winning out and winning the Big 12, a two-loss Oklahoma team. I don't want to see them anywhere near the college football playoff. Let another team have their spot so that another team can get murdered by Clemson or Alabama and not Oklahoma for like the second straight year. So let's let's switch that up a bit. So we'll see what happens. Texas ain't making it, so we don't even care about what's going to happen with them in the college football playoff. 
come down to this Red River rivalry. So just have Oklahoma, you know, kill them right now while they're still, you know, just barely breathing. Let that go out. Let them play a really bad bowl game against Tennessee or somebody, and we'll make our way due for next season. I think this team's going to be good at some point this year once Spetler Rattler actually calms his nerves a little bit and can actually progress within the system. And I think next year, especially when he's a sophomore and I'll be able to get a couple more recruits coming in to play alongside Rattler, I think they'll be a little bit better of a team next year. They'll be able to compete again. I think this year's mostly just kind of, you know, with COVID and all, it's a weird transition year for them with a new 19-year-old, 20-year-old quarterback. So I think that's been their main issue so far, and we'll have to see where we go in the future. But Running low on time here again. We're going to hit one last topic, Jameson, to segue us into the NFL. Obviously, the Texans, Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, their head coach, was fired. And we'll go into more in-depth in the NFL segment in a couple minutes. But, Jameson, this led a lot of talk to come up about Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney possibly transitioning to the NFL like some other college coaches have done in the past to coach for the Houston Texans alongside his former quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Me personally, as an outsider looking in, I don't see this happening. There's no shot in the world in this happening. I want to see what you have a perspective. Because I know you mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show whether you would think Davo Sweeney would you know, make it as an NFL head coach and talking about that a little bit. How do you feel about some of these rumors? Do you think it would be, it would be smart of him to go to the NFL and leave college football? Well, well they asked him. They asked him in a press conference yesterday if, um, if, if Deshaun Watson called uh, Davo Sweeney they asked Dabo, they said, has Deshaun Watson called you uh, about potentially going to the uh, Houston Texans? Dabo made a smart smart comment. He said, oh, I knew that was you. That was, I knew you would ask something crazy like that kind of question. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but uh, Dabo said, he said, point blank, he said, I don't even want to think about that. Uh, so I think Dabo's a true college coach. Um, and uh, I think I, I've, I've seen – uh, Lane Kiffin tried to. I'm pretty sure it was Lane Kiffin that tried to go into the NFL uh, for a couple years. Possibly, and I don't. Um, and so I, I think I think the NFL just ruins you as a coach. Mm-hmm. I think you're either a college coach or NFL coach. I don't think you can. If you're successful in uh, college, then I don't think you can transition well into the NFL. Uh, but um, very few do. Yeah, I think Lincoln Riley. I think he could be a great NFL coach. Um, I mean, but, Pete, uh, Pete Carroll already is a great NFL coach, and he came from USC. So different examples. I mean, look at um, who is it? Uh, Nick Saban when he went to the Dolphins. Yep. Like long. I mean, it was like twenty years ago. But I mean, look at that. He, he was there for what two years, and he didn't look spectacular. And so he came back back to Alabama, and now he's amazing there. So, I mean, I'll ask, I mean, I'll ask this question: If if Dabo Sweeney wanted to go to Houston, what even upside down there is there for him besides getting to coach Deshaun Watson again? You know, Bill O'Brien, the GM's gone now. But he has to, you know, live with the, what he did, you know, trading away all their good players pretty much, leaving them with no draft picks for like the next two years. So he has to live with all of that. And the front office in general isn't that great. The team doesn't have a great roster built around Deshaun Watson. So he's going to be leaving probably, you know, one of the best cultures in, in college football right now to go to one of the most functional organizations in the NFL. I just think there's no upside besides the storylines of Deshaun Watson for Dabo to go. I mean, look at what he's doing right now in Clemson. He's making, what, 9 to $9.3 million a year in Clemson. Coaching for one of the best college football programs there is. And he's, he's living in Clemson where he's pretty much second, second uh, like he's living in Clemson and he's second there only about Jesus in everyone's mind. He's like, he's basically the mayor of the town. I think there was jokes when they were having like the elections for the county, like he should be the governor or something or the mayor or whatever. I mean, they're, like, like literally he's worshipped over there in Clemson, South Carolina. I don't think he could be living any better than he is right now. So I see no reason for him really to uh, 
to, to shift in any. I think he's staying for Clemson for the long haul. Yeah, I totally agree, and I I, I want him to stay <laughs> as a Clemson fan. I know, yeah, sure. I know Clemson fans want him to stay. You know? I want him to stay, and um, so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people say that he may go to Alabama whenever Nick Saban leaves mm. um, just because that's his hometown. He's from Alabama, and he went to Alabama. Uh, but who knows? Uh, who knows if uh, what's going to happen? Who knows what's going on in his brilliant mind? Uh, but um, you know, Houston, Houston, it'd be a great fit with him to work with Deshaun Watson again. But he's not meant for the NFL. He, you, you cannot change. They, these players already have a mindset. The NFL, they only care about themselves. They only care about making the big bucks, and uh, that's all. That's the. That's all that matters uh, in the NFL, and um, he cannot build a culture uh, in an in an NFL team, uh, and so that's what I think. Dabin wants to make an impact, and uh, he wants to build a team, not a, a selfish player. So I think that's uh, that's kind of what uh, Dabo Dabo looks at. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean obviously I think it's a general consensus. It's just mainly a talking point. You know, he's not going to Houston. Sorry, Deshaun Watson, you're gonna have to deal with somebody else. I mean. I mean, I have a few head coaches in mind. We'll get to that in the next topic. But, guys, we'll go and do a quick break here before the NFL. If you guys are enjoying the show, be sure to follow us on social media. Again, it is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OffTheBenchXLR. You'll see our green, gray, and white logo there. With, along with all of, you know, you'll see me and Jameson's faces on our video clips, quotes, and all the fun stuff there. So, please, please uh, go follow us there. Interact with us. We'd love to see it. But, guys, you know, enjoy this next song, and we will be right back talking NFL football and some great headlines. So, stay with us, and we'll be right back. And we are back here at Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with my co-host, Jameson Hartso, as always. And we're here for XLR, Lando University Radio. This is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here. Guys, we are talking NFL football now. We just got off with the speculation of, is Dabo going to go to Houston with Deshaun Watson now that Bill O'Brien, the head coach and GM, the famous head coach and GM for the Texans, has been fired? Jameson, as a Texans fan, I'm interested to see how you feel about this one. And honestly, if I was a Texans fan, I would be happy as hell that they fired Bill O'Brien. He's, you know, I mean, if you look at just the simple stats to them, he's not done awful. 42 and 40 or 52 and 48 in his seven seasons as a Texans head coach two and four in the playoffs obviously two two playoff runs in the divisional round almost was was super close to the AFC championship game last year if they didn't blow a 24 to nothing lead against the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs the eventual champion Chiefs all right out was the outscored 51 to seven in the second half that game or second or three quarters I don't know what it was but oh how things changed since then you know Texans, obviously, right now, they are 0-4. They're not doing well. Yes, they've played a tough schedule, but haven't really been competitive in much. 0-4, and and head coach Bill O'Brien is a different person than GM Bill O'Brien. And GM Bill O'Brien, I think, is what got head coach Bill O'Brien fired. Jameson, you're a Texans fan. How are you feeling about this? Are you? I'm, I'm sure you're happy about this, but how are you feeling about yeah, this? Yeah, uh, I'm actually I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm just ready for some new energy, some new life in this team I think it's just been just kind of like dead uh almost just there uh down in Houston just not really um there's no excitement coming in um I mean leaving I mean trading away DeAndre Hopkins he should have been fired then and there when that happened yeah and so that was that was probably the worst move I've ever seen anything uh, uh the worst move I've ever seen 
I mean, the best wide receiver um, on a roster in the NFL is DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion. And you trading, you trading him away uh, to the Arizona Cardinals is a very foolish move, and uh, he should have um, he should have thought long and hard about that decision. Um, I, it clearly doesn't seem like he did because I mean you're leaving Deshaun Watson or could be one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL with no weapons, uh, and so if you want to make a difference, then you need to do something, uh, and you should have fought tooth and nail to keep your uh, to keep your wide receiver Newt Hopkins on that roster because you need him and he needs y'all. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need y'all, but he's I doing mean, pretty good with t- Kyler. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, come on, man, come on. I mean, that's just that's one of those uh, Chris Boomer thing. Chris Boomers, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You got to be smarter. And I'm glad. I don't think he. I don't think the head, next head coach needs to be the general manager and the head coach. I think it's too much. Uh, very surprised whenever I actually learned that when that he was the general manager and the head coach. Um, so I'm actually, I was very surprised. So I think they need to have two separate positions too much, uh, for one guy to do both positions. Uh, obviously the Texans probably just trying to save some money, uh, trying to get, kill two birds with one stone. And, um, but Deshaun Watson needs some weapons. And so I'm excited to hear your, your point on it. I know you got a really good, uh, potential, um, uh, head coach that could come in and I'm excited about him for Hayden and uh man it's just I'm excited I'm excited to get I hope there's just new life new um uh, just a new new way for the Houston Texans yeah I mean Bill O'Brien just didn't I mean as the I mean people were saying for a long time that GM Bill O'Brien is going to get the head coach Bill O'Brien fired and that's really what I think happened right now I mean obviously he was let go this past weekend after they fell to the Minnesota Vikings and became 0-4 it wasn't this is obviously I don't know if this I really don't know where this firing came from obviously he hasn't been that successful uh as a GM and he's made some really dumb decisions but I just don't know why they decided to fire him now in the middle of October in week four yeah I mean an 0-4 start yes but like I really don't see the reasoning behind it they lost to the the Chiefs and the Ravens the first two games and then they played the Steelers which in a game where they were they were supposed to be competitive with, but then they didn't. They ended up not scoring a single point in the second half, and then they then they lost to the winless Vikings in our game picks last week. That we I think we both got wrong. We both had the Texans winning. So the last two games are pretty inexcusable. Probably should have won or at least been competitive in both of those when they really weren't. Um, but general manager Bill O'Brien, I mean, just the last couple of trades you've done, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, I don't even have to get into. I mean, it was Hopkins for what David Johnson, a second and a fourth rounder or something like that or whatever it worked out with. Either way, they lost that trade by a mile. And then even even so to Miami, they they got Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills. And I mean, Tunzel's a good old lineman, yes. And they ended up paying him like the big bucks, like three years, 66 million, I believe. But Kenny Stills is like a number three wide receiver. I don't see the point in that. They ended up giving away two first round picks and a second round pick to Miami for that one. And then to Davion Clowney, they, got, they traded him away and pretty much got a third round pick in exchange for that. So awful trades in general for what they've been doing, shipping away all their star players for... For who? Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb is their wide receiver output now. Like it's nobody. And worst of all, Texans are currently 0 and 4. They have I don't know what the the order is, but they have a top five pick in the draft right now. And it doesn't even matter because Miami's gonna get it. And then Miami or whoever has their second round pick is gonna get that one as well. Houston Texans aren't gonna have any picks in the first two rounds of this year's draft. So I don't really see how they're gonna upgrade unless they get very, very lucky with a late rounder. 
So Miami's set up great. They're going to have two top 10 picks because they're not getting out of the top 10 this year either. So Miami's going to Miami's tanking job is doing very well right now. But uh, when it comes to replacements for Bill O'Brien, the only name I've really heard much right now is Eric Bieniemy, offensive uh, coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Talked about him a couple times last year with the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl, but he's a quality candidate, obviously leading the Chiefs offense. I don't know if he's the play caller. I think Andy Reid's still the play caller, but I mean, he gets that offense, one of the best in the league. He gets that thing set, so... I think it's an obvious choice for them. I'll, we'll have to wait until the end of the season to see more candidates come forth. But I think the Bill O'Brien firing, it was long overdue. I just think it was a weird it was a weird timing right now to uh, to make it happen. But we'll shift over to the other team in Texas, Jameson. And he's already laughing because I knew this was going to happen. And uh, obviously, if you know me, Jameson's a Texans fan. I'm a, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. And um, Dallas Cowboys, if you guys know, they are currently one and three, have one, have the best offense in the league per uh, per yards per game stats, but have the thirty thirtieth ranked defense in the league. They are not doing too hot, Jameson. Obviously, this talk they've allowed what is it thirty six point six points per game this year. They've allowed around forty one points per game in their last three games combined. They let up thirty nine to the Atlanta Falcons, thirty eight to the Seattle Seahawks, and then what was it forty nine to the Cleveland Browns. So Jamison, I'm you're already itching right here. I have a tirade I want to go off on about too. I'm going to hand this to Jamison to start us off with. Jamison, is this the worst defense of all time? And what do you think is causing this for the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't stop laughing, guys. I just can't. I mean, it's so funny. Like, I mean, I feel like I'm like Stephen A. Smith. I just want to cry laughing. Like, it is, it's the funniest thing in the world, guys. It's, I mean, the Browns. I mean, guys, the Browns. Aiden, it's the Browns, man. It is the Cleveland Browns. It's the best Browns team in a while, but it's still the Browns, yes. Uh, I mean, could be, could be arguably fifth or sixth worst team in the NFL. <laughs> no, the Browns are in the fifth or sixth worst. No, they're, I mean they're top half. No, just, no, 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 no. They're three no, and no. one. What are you talking about? No, they 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 barely beat the Bengals. They the I would say the top the bottom six. You got the Jets. You got the Jaguars. Eagles. Forty uh, ers Giants. Forty ers are in bottom six. I mean, they look. I don't know. They're rough without Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you've you got Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got the Dolphins, Jaguars. Uh, if I've said them or not, and then I would say the Browns are down there to eight, maybe eight. No, the football team. Um, no, no. I don't know. I I I don't know. They I just, don't know. They just benched Dwayne Haskins. Put him third, they put him third string. Good. They didn't even put him second string. <laughs> but. Um, I, I mean, it's this is hysterical, man. I, the only thing I've got to say to you, Hayden, mm-hmm. is um, I'll say the same thing about South Carolina fans. I mean, you're just loyal. I mean, you are a loyal supporter, and uh-huh. uh, you are just a loyal person in general. So at least your girlfriend knows that uh, <laughs> she has a loyal man on her hands. I mean, the Cowboys. I about said the Cowboys. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> I, I, I call them the Cowgirls whenever I'm you not on air. You texted me that. Like, How about them Cowgirls? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, – guys, it's um, – Man, it's bad. It's uh, I mean, I love I love it, man. I just hope it keeps on coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I hope further on down the, down the line. I hope it just gets better and better. I mean, the Browns. I I even told we we were me and Hayden were discussing. I forget what wait what I uh, forget. It was whenever what somebody dropped 
some team dropped from playing and that we picked. Yeah, and then the, and then we discussed either the uh, the Cowboys and the Browns, or like the Patriots and the Chiefs. And yeah. I said, and then you said the Cowboys and the Browns, and you're like, I'm assuming the Browns. And I said, I said no, I'm gonna pick the Cowboys because I mean they, they should win. Like I was not oh, gonna yeah. lose a game for sure. I <laughs> I knew that if I picked the Browns, I would for sure lose a game to you. Uh huh. And man, I wish we picked them now, man. I mean. <laughs> I cannot believe it, man. I mean, the Browns. This is the Cleveland Browns we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. The Browns. They've outpulled. They a, beat the Cowboys. They've outpulled the Browns and dropped their <laughs> what was it? The forty-one to fourteen fourth quarter lead. They about blew it. Apart, I was on the golf course and I was checking. You're the always score. on the golf course. <laughs> you're literally always on the golf course when these things happen. Oh, um, I was on the golf course. I was about hole uh, four or five. I was on hole five, and I look at my score. We're on the fairway. Cowboys final. It was like thirty. It was at forty. Forty nine to thirty eight. Yeah, uh, they. I know they had thirty eight. <laughs> the, the, look, if, even if the Cowboys had won that game, which they were, they were honestly very close to winning this game. If they had won it, I would still be going on the tirade I'm about to go off on. Dak Prescott, I mean, he drove him back three straight touchdown drives. I think all of them were like under three minutes. Like within about ten minutes in the fourth quarter, we had we had pulled a forty-one to fourteen deficit all the way down to forty-one to thirty-eight. We were a field goal away from winning. All our defense had to do was stop the ball one time, and instead they let a double reverse to Odell Beckham go for fifty yards. Um, if Alden Smith had made that tackle, I if he had made the tackle for like a 15 yard loss with Beckham, I guarantee you the Cowboys would have stopped them there because it would have been like what second and 23 or something. Cowboys get the stop. We were going to score a touchdown. We were not getting a field goal. We were going to score with two minutes to go. We would have won that game. It would have been the we would have overcome our biggest comeback two weeks ago to the Falcons. We would have beat that out of the water by having a 24. No, it would have been a 27 point comeback, 14 to 41. So. But that's, that's out of the question. What I want to talk about is why the heck do we have Mike Nolan still as our defensive coordinator? This is a man Mike McCarthy hired who hadn't been a defensive coordinator in the NFL since 2014. And Jameson, in 2014, you want to know who he was the defensive coordinator for? 2014, he was a defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons who ranked 31st in the NFL in defense. So I don't, this must have been a personal relationship or something for Mike McCarthy, the reason he wanted to hire Mike Nolan, but he should be out of the door. Our linebackers coach out of the door, DB coach out of the door. We need everybody out of the door who's on the defensive side of the ball, pretty much everybody except Mark McCarthy, who's he feel like he's in the hot seat too because he's made some dumb decisions too. <laughs> everybody but Kellen Moore, let's just have another, a whole other rebrand of our coaching staff all over again. This is awful. This is completely awful. Our, our offense is putting up ridiculous numbers, albeit it's because we're down 30 points by halftime every game. Dak Prescott, first quarterback to throw for 450 yards in three consecutive games. That's, I mean, that's absolutely insane. Three consecutive games. He's currently leading the league in passing with like a hundred, with like a thousand, like sixteen hundred yards. Sixteen hundred yards. He's on pace for sixty-three hundred yards on the season, shattering Peyton Manning's record by about a thousand yards. The Cowboys are currently leading as a passing offense. They're ahead of the second place passing offense by almost a hundred yards. The second place team, I can't remember who it is, but they're putting up. I think it's I think it's Buffalo. They're putting up about three hundred and sixteen yards a game. Meanwhile, Dallas is putting up four hundred and seven passing yards a game. Our offense is killing it. We have three receivers on pace for a thousand yards. Zeke's on pace for eleven hundred yards, and he hasn't even been on the field much because we've been down by thirty points. Look at this: our defense, thirtieth in yards allowed, thirty-first in rush yards allowed, thirty-second in turnover differential, negative three, and thirty-first in takeaways. We've only had two takeaways this entire year. So, as a Cowboys fan. 
This is extremely frustrating because this is our this is this is the best offense in the NFL. I'm not even like offensive weapons wise, this is the best offense in the NFL regardless. We're putting up the most points per game, the most yards per game. We are destroying teams on the offensive side of the ball. And I get it, yes, a lot of it's garbage time we're coming back, but I mean at least we're making a move to come back. Some teams like the Browns against the Ravens or the 49ers or not the 49ers or like the football team whoever, they'll get blown out and then they'll still only score about 10 points the entire game because they just give up. At least Dak Prescott's leading our offense and not giving up. And if anything, this is proving to me he deserves the big money more than he ever did because he I mean, if he has to deal with this team for the next couple of years and this defense, he deserves to be paid 50 million a year because I would definitely not put up with it for anything less than that. But I mean, obviously that's a joke. He's going to get about 40 million when this contract thing comes back but the the Dallas Cowboys defense can't stop anybody and if we go in or I think not we go in I think New York comes into town into Dallas this upcoming weekend if we lose to the Giants especially to Jason Garrett Jason Clapper Garrett as their offensive coordinator if we lose to them or if they even drop 30 points on us I'm gonna be I'm I'm not gonna quit as a Cowboys fan but I'm gonna go on a hiatus for a little bit I'm gonna take a bye week as a Cowboys fan because that's just I mean Cowboys Nation is going to go like bonkers if this happens if we lose to the Giants. Which honestly, I, Jameson, I was debating putting it in our game picks because I am I am prepared to lose this game to the New York Giants. <laughs> I am I was so close to putting it in. I think I have the Chargers and Saints in right now in place was, of it. I was about to ask. I was about to say I'm surprised that it's not in our game picks. I'm, I I wanted to, but I was like I'm going to pick the Cowboys and I'm going to be wrong and it's just going to hurt me even more than it already will. So I'm not doing it. Chargers Saints, which honestly is going to be a pretty good game. I think Justin Herbert might win that thing honestly. But um, it's just it's a sigh. It's just it's it's. I mean, I feel like every every other week I have to come on here and do a rant about the Cowboys. And this was back to last year with coaching. This year it's our defense, and honestly, it's our coaching too. I'll, I'll give us the excuse we've had. You know, we've had some injuries on the entire side of the ball. Our offensive line's been absolutely murdered by injuries, and our cornerback situation already was bad. It's even worse now. Anthony Brown, Cheetah Bay Awuzier, both of them have been out. They're scheduled to come back soon, but um, with the re- we just released Brandon Carr off our pra- or off our roster, so I think they're going to come back soon. That'll help us a lot. And then Leighton Vandress has been out a couple weeks since week one with a shoulder or a collarbone injury or something. So the defense is going to get better with personnel coming back from injury, but this is still disgustingly bad. They don't play with heart. They don't play with any kind of caliber or any kind of hustle. You look at that Odell Beckham reverse play that happened that basically sealed the deal for that game. Jalen Smith and Joe Thomas, our linebackers, basically ran towards the ball and just ran straight into the blocks. They didn't even try to go away from the blocks. They are like, oh, let me just get blocked real quick so it's not my fault. Like, that's exactly their mentality. And Jalen Smith had to basically run 40 yards down the field to chase down Beckham. You're not winning that foot race, Jalen Smith. You weigh about twice as much as him. He's probably looking for his oh, – oh, Beckham probably sees his girlfriend down there. Uh, he's running towards her. So, um, you know – it's just disappointing. I don't see the hustle. Our offensive, our defensive line, apart from Alden Smith, hasn't done anything. Demarcus Lawrence hasn't made it for, hasn't uh, stepped up to his contract. He got signed to a couple years ago. He has no sacks in the year. Very disappointing. And our offensive line, many people say Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best O lines in the league. And when healthy, we do. But Lyle Collins, our our uh, our what's the word? Not All Star Pro Bowl. Our Pro Bowl left left tackle. Yeah, left tackle. He's, he's injured for the year. He's going to do season-ended surgery. And then Tyron Smith, he's been injured for a while. And uh, it's just been a huge mess. I mean, look at these stats, Jamison. Dak Prescott, he's been blitzed 59 times. That's the second most in the league. He's been hurried 22 times, second most in the league. He's been hit 
17 times, second most in the league, and he's been pressured 47 times, second most in the league. And that's all on our offensive line, and the defense is knowing that our offensive line ain't crap and that you can do whatever you want against it because Dak Prescott's going to be hurried. Even after all that, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. So Dak Prescott seems to be the only player on the team that really wants it right now, and I applaud him for that. And our receivers as well. I mean, they're playing phenomenal ball, but uh, this defense, man, this defense is just something else. And, uh, I mean, if honestly – let me think here. I don't want to say something stupid real quick. I was like, let's tank for the first pick. You know, we're not doing that. But if we get a top 10 pick, it won't be too sad. We'll get a top 10 pick. I mean, heck, if this go, if this season goes all the way to crap and we end up getting the first overall pick, you know, at least we can trade it to some team that's going to want Trevor Lawrence and uh, we'll get a crap load of picks. We'll pull Miami Dolphins and just get a haul for that. So, so uh, didn't you say, um, didn't you say maybe if the Cowboys win the first if they lose the first game we always make the playoffs then they always and, make uh, the since playoffs. what is it um it's, since what was the stat since 2013 if the Cowboys win the first game of the year we miss the playoffs and if we lose the first game of the year we make the playoffs it's been that way since 2013 so how about this year I, like if we're going to make the playoffs or not yeah. i still think we can the Cowboys have like the third highest percentage to win their division of any team i think the only other teams higher are the Chiefs and the Chiefs and the probably the Seahawks or the Ravens right now. The Cowboys have like a sixty-seven percent chance to win the division, and that's only because the division winner is going to be seven and nine or worse, probably. So the Cowboys. I mean, this is a team that could be twelve and four easily if the defense stepped up. I mean, heck, if Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' offense had a mediocre defense that allowed twenty-five points per game, we'd be we'd be three and one, possibly four and zero oh at this point. So if we even if we just had not a if we just had a bad defense, not even an all-time awful one if we just had a bad defense we'd be three and one right now and Dak Prescott would be in the MVP conversation because he's absolutely lighting it up in the air so the only the only bad thing about this team is that we're having an all-time worst defense which is saying a lot because it's literally half your team but if there are just small upgrades in the defense position or we just get some guys back and they just step up just a little bit we can win these games 35 to 25 and we'll be fine I just don't know when that's going to happen but I certainly see the Cowboys still making the playoffs this year with the way the NFC East is. I think and if they don't win it, it's going to be a disappointing year regardless. It's going to be really disappointing whenever the Eagles come into town and beat you guys. See, that's going to happen probably too. But uh, see, I'm not – literally, I'm, I have no optimism anymore for the rest of the season. I'm just going to go into every guys, game uh, thinking we'll score a touchdown first. Defense will give about 28 points straight, and then we'll make a comeback and lose at the end probably. For those of you who are listening live right now or if you tune back in and uh, you're listening now – uh, later on after the show, you just what I just witnessed was probably the best thing I've seen all day. What? Hayden Joyner Sign? absolutely just going off. I mean, if you saw him, if you saw him reading off those stats, just I was like frustrated. I was I going mean, like quick, you know. I mean, he was. I mean, this guy is very upset. I right have now one more with stat. His cowgirls. I have one more stat, and so uh, it's. It's amazing, and I love it. I love it. He's got so much passion, mm-hmm. and he is very upset with his Cowboys right now. It's, 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 uh, it's unbelievable. It's so funny. Dak Pres- I mean, Dak's leading the league in, like, every passing statistic ever. He's, like, what? First in yards, first in completions, first in completion, or not first in completion percentage, but first in completions, first in attempts, first in yardage, first in pretty much everything, first in most pass yards, 20-plus. We have a, he's first. He's number one passer. we got a number three, or – how am I wording this? Amari Cooper is the, uh, the number three leading receiver right now. He has 400, 401 yards already in four weeks. It's insane. And uh, last stat I'll read off before we, uh, we we switch topics real quick. I mean, just look at the – I mean, the, the Rams game was a season opener. It's kind of the outlier here because our defense miraculously only allowed 20 points. 
But, I mean, look at the last three games against the Falcons. Our defense allowed 386 total yards against the Seahawks, 432 total yards. And then against the Browns, as if it couldn't get any worse, we allowed the Browns and Baker Mayfield to put up 509 total yards, 307 which were rushing yards. Yeah, 165 passing. Without Nick Chubb. They didn't have Nick Chubb for three quarters, and they still put up 307 yards on the ground. Who was their running? We literally made like their third string running back look like an All Pro. And who was it? It was some I recognize his name, Dearness Johnston. Dearness Johnston. I think he was a line a couple of years ago. Thirteen rushes, 95 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt. Like that's like come on now, you know. Made Odell Beckham made Odell Beckham look like an all-star for the first time in his career in Cleveland as well. So just crazy stuff. But obviously, I didn't put him on the game picks. Jameson will still watch that game because obviously, if we lose to the Giants, that this uh, well, I'm not going to flip this table. It's too heavy. But uh, I'll flip a metaphorical table if we lose to the Giants. We'll see what happens. But we will. I'll what be, even? What even how much time do we have? Okay, we have this much time. I was like, I got completely lost track of time. But we'll skip to another topic real real quick here, Jameson. Let's flip the table a little bit. It's not talking about the who should be 0-4 Cowboys and switch off to the teams that are actually 4-0 and 3-0 and, and you know all the weird stuff so far this COVID season. But, Jameson, to share a little happiness, we have a cut. We have six undefeated teams left, and this is a quick topic we'll hit before game picks and the rest of the show. But, Jameson, we have six undefeated teams left. Who do you think is not going to make it? Because, you know, obviously the Steelers and the Titans are sitting at 3-0 and right now. And that's because they were going to play last week, but they didn't because for some reason Tennessee Titans decided to all have a COVID party, and I'll get it. So, Jameson, of all these 6-0 teams, which I'm trying to think of, it's the Titans, the, the Steelers, the Bills, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Chiefs. I believe that's all six. Of all of those six, which one do you think is going to fall off the cliff? Who's going to fall back down to earth the quickest? Because obviously these teams are good. They're all good, but they're not all going to finish undefeated, and they're probably not all going to finish with like a 12-4 and or 13-3 record. So who do you think is going to fall off the cliff and it's going to have you know a pretty a pretty normal season at the end of it? Well, um, I think I think that the Titans um, may may fall off the um, cliff this Sunday mm. uh, with uh, so that I'm, I'm hinting at a pregame pick uh, pre 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 game pick pre segment. Pick. Um, uh-huh. I I think the Titans may lose it lose it soon enough. I don't think they're that special. I think the Steelers are playing uh, really good football so far. And uh, I think the Rams are going to be right up there next to the Titans. Uh, but remember, I, I discussed this early on. I, I think they're going to be a, a uh, what do you call it, a long shot to make the playoffs. And the Rams? I think, yeah. Yeah. And so that they did not make it last year. So uh, I think the Titans uh, for sure uh, might, be, um, uh, might be next up on the chopping block to lose a game. The Rams still have a fairly easy schedule going forward. I mean, they have Washington this week, and the 49ers, Bears, and Dolphins. So, you know, the Bears and Nick Foles, they're not that formidable. And then the 49ers, you know, they're beatable as well. So they have a pretty easy schedule so far. But, Jameson, I'm going to have to agree with you with the Titans here. And I want to touch on this a little bit. I said this a little bit last week. The Titans have not done anything impressive so far this season. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he's putting up mediocre stats. He's pretty much between, in every statistical category, he's between 15 and 20. When it comes to uh, to what he's putting out there, yards per game and all that, he's not had the most amazing season in a while. Like, like last year, I mean, he was putting up great stats last year, but he's definitely not having having a season like that. You know, the Titans three and zero, obviously couldn't be four and zero against the Steelers because of the COVID restrictions and all of that. But 
I said this last week, like I said, their last three games have not been that impressive. I mean, the first week they beat the they beat the Broncos by two points, sixteen to fourteen, and yes, that was with Drew Locke and when they had all the weapons, but that was also when all those weapons got hurt, and then week two is when it really, really fell apart with Drew Locke. But the Titans, you know, they beat the Broncos only by two points, beat the Jaguars by three points, and they were losing a majority of that game as well. And they only beat the winless Vikings by one point a couple weeks ago. So they've won three games with a combined score or a combined win percentage, or not win percentage, I'm getting every stats mixed up. They've won their last three games by six points total, so they obviously have not been that commanding. And in two games, the Jaguars and the Vikings, they about lost those two games as well. This this could be a one-and-two football team very easily. Derrick Henry's, I mean, he's playing phenomenal. He's fourth in the league in rushing right now, and like I said, Tannehill's having an average season, but I just don't think this team's built too, like, too much right now to really be putting up to really be putting up like an eight and no start or something. And and like Jameson said with the with the game picks coming up, the Titans don't have the easiest schedule moving forward as well. Obviously the AFC South. I can't remember what division they're playing, but I mean we look at their schedule so far. They have they have the Bills and the Texans, which the Texans, you know, they can be good or bad. It's I mean they're 0 4 right now, but who really knows where they're sitting at right now? They're a weird team. But then they got the Steelers next. So two of the next three games are against undefeated opponents. We'll see what really happens. That Steelers game obviously got moved to the end of October. But and the Titans also the rest of the year they face uh they get the Browns, they get the Ravens, they get the Packers, they get, you know, the the average dump of uh, of good teams. I'm surprised did they not play the Chiefs? Didn't they win a division? Did they win a division last year or did the Texans win a division last year? Texans, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay. I was going to say, they should be playing the Chiefs that they played if they won the division, but I guess not. So that's why they're playing the the Broncos. They came in second. Okay, that makes sense now. That makes sense. So the Texans, I, or the, the Titans, I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to be falling off the cliff. The Rams, I also think they're, I mean, of all the other undefeated teams, I think the Rams are a little downgraded. The, I mean, obviously, I think the front runners right now, you got the, the Seahawks and the Chiefs. Those are the top two of the undefeated teams right now. They're the top two. And you got the Steelers and Bills in another category. Then you got the Rams and the Titans in the third category. That's yeah. like the tier list, I think. And yeah. even the Steelers. The Steelers' offense is good, but it's the defense that's been carrying them a lot this year. And who knows how good they're going to be when it comes to the comes down to the end of it. Yeah. But I'm going to agree with you with the Titans here. Now we'll get into our last topic, Jameson of NFL, before we go into game picks after this break. But switching, the, let's complete the entire circle, right? We obviously talk college first, got NFL next or NFL afterwards, and we talked to Dabo to Houston. But let's talk about another Clemson person to the NFL. You know, let's do a whole other branch of this, kind of a random topic, but, you know, we're going for it. We love our stuff. Jameson, the, the, uh, we already talked, you kind of mentioned it about the six worst teams in football, the New York Jets, not the football Giants, the New York Jets, Sam Darnold and company. They have not looked great, obviously 0-4. And there's always there's been this talk. We've been talking about this since the uh, the off season. Who is Trevor Lawrence going to go to when it comes to the NFL? We t- we said Jaguars, we said Panthers, we've said a bunch of teams so far. Both of those teams could potentially, but the Panthers are two and two right now. They're not looking too bad. And the Jaguars one and three. They got Gardner Minshew. Who knows where they're going to go with that? But I believe the Jets right now hold the number one pick due to some kind of tiebreaker over the Giants. But both New York teams are looking awful. Probably going to get the first two overall picks. Do you think Trevor Lawrence going? to the New York Giants is a good idea. They, the issue here is they have Sam Darnold, who I believe in a good system could be a very good quarterback. It's just Adam Gase is awful as a head coach, and they have not been putting talent around him. What do you think the Jets should do if they get a number overall pick and could have a vibe for Trevor Lawrence? Do you think it's worth it to move off of Darnold? Um, you know, as a Clemson fan, I do not want him to go to the Jets. Uh, I don't want him to go to the Jaguars either. 
Um, and uh, where would you want him to go? Of all the worst teams, currently? of all of the worst teams, the Panthers. Okay, uh, I could see him going to the Panthers. Uh, he's not going to go to the Eagles. Uh, the Falcons may may want him just because of Matt Ryan's age and he's getting on up there, and you know it's going to be time to move on from him shortly. Uh, but I mean. Shoot, I know the Houston Texans won't draft him, but heck, I mean, 0-4, mm-hmm. uh, that'd be cool to see Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, but uh, that's not going to happen. Nah. Uh, 49ers, uh, they've got, it looks like they like Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, but man, the Broncos, uh, the Broncos coming off of that win against the Jets, uh, which, um, who, what's his name? I'd, Brett Ripon. Yep, yep, Ripon yep. or something. Yep, and so, I mean, he potential uh, when uh, he could go there. To the Broncos, or I mean, looking at the Bears, uh, maybe the Bears potentially. They got Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky. Looks like they they're liking Nick Foles right now, but Nick Foles is getting up up there, uh, and so uh, who knows? Who knows? But I do not want him to go to the Jaguars or the Jets or the Giants. <laughs> um, but there, what's his name? Uh, Daniel uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Danny Jones. Dimes. Uh, and so it looks. Like, I mean, it looks like he's gonna be there for a while. About so. to throw for four hundred yards against our defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I'd like to see him go to the Carolina Panthers. That'd be really mm-hmm. cool to see. Uh, I might turn into a Panthers fan if he goes there. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think the the, the I, I want to pinpoint the Jets because they're in this in- interesting situation, being the worst team in football currently, record wise, and all their tiebreakers and stuff. But they have they have Sam Darnold, who is a very valuable quarterback, I believe. A lot of other teams, I think, would really like to have Darnold as their quarterback. They use him. I, he's obviously a, he's a great prospect. He's a very good quarterback. It's just the Adam Gase offense. You know, they haven't had who's their best receiver really. He had Robbie Anderson for the couple, last couple of years, and they shipped him off to Carolina. So they really don't have anybody for him. And then Le'Veon Bell, their running back, hasn't been jack crap right now so the Jets really have two options it's one to either they if they if they end up getting the number one overall pick they either trade Darnold and draft Lawrence and I'm sure they'd get a bunch of draft capital for Darnold a couple picks or a couple players or something like that for him or they could keep Darnold and then trade their number one overall pick away to a team that might actually you know be good for Trevor Lawrence say like a Carolina maybe an Indianapolis they probably could trade a lot way a lot of picks right now and they only have Phillip Rivers so they're gonna need a new quarterback in a year or two so I'm sure if they I mean the best case scenario I think is if they get the number one overall pick they can ship away that pick for a bunch of players I don't think Trevor Lawrence deserves to go to New York I don't think he wants to go there I don't think I don't think the Jets should be so reluctant to move on from Darnold right now. I think they should still keep him, maybe fire Adam Gase first and see how he does with a different uh, head coach. But uh, if they were able to get their one overall pick and trade that for, you know, switch a first rounder and get a couple second rounders. and a, you can, I mean, you could trade a number one overall pick for like two year, like two first rounds, a couple second rounds. Like, you know, yeah. you get a lot of capital if you trade away the first overall pick. And I don't think it's happened since... Um, 2016 when Jared Goff when the Rams traded up to get Jared Goff first overall which is kind of biting them in the butt right now they probably should have drafted Dak Prescott in that draft but um Dak Prescott would probably actually be happy in LA he'd actually have playmakers around him on the defensive (laughs) side at least but uh but yeah I think that's what that's what really needs to touch base with uh the Jets and Sam Darnold it'll be interesting to see but I don't I mean talking about who gets the first overall pick I think it's between the two New York teams at this rate Washington do you think they're gonna move on from uh the Daniel Jones no I think they're gonna keep Daniel Jones I think I mean, whichever team gets the first overall pick, I don't know if either of them is going to want to draft Lawrence or not. Yeah. If any, the Jets are going to, but I don't know if they're going to want to be dicey or not of getting rid of Darnold. You just, you just maybe get really nervous Gates. whenever you said the Washington Redskins. I do not, I do not want Trevor Lawrence to go to the Redskins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just something. I mean, just oh, 
the whole the whole Dwayne Haskins thing with that is weird because obviously he was a starter. He put up a career high in um in passing yards that game against uh, who was it, the Ravens, and they ended up benching him not just for Kyle Allen but also for Alex Smith. He's now the third string quarterback on that depth chart. They have Kyle Allen starting this weekend against the um. I don't even know who they're playing. I, I could care less about who the Washington football team is playing. But they have Kyle Allen, then uh, the busted up, the busted up Alex Smith, and then Dwayne Hashkins. So that's be interesting. But guys, we're gonna head to a quick break, and when we come back, we have game picks for you all. Five games, top five games of the week. Stay tuned, and you'll see our predictions, and uh, we'll go a little little review of last week as well. So guys, stay tuned and listen to the song, and we'll be right back on air. We'll see you guys in a second. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name's Hayden Joyner with my co-host Jameson Hartso as always, and we're here to talk the top sports all throughout the country with you guys. This is Lander XLR, XLR Landing University Radio, and uh, this is Off the Bench as well. Guys, just got done talking NFL, and we have our game picks coming up, but I know Jameson has a little update on the Atlanta Braves. They keep, I don't know, it happened last week too. They just keep playing during our show, Jameson, how would you tell our viewers uh, what yeah, they did? Yeah, so today? Uh, today they played the second game of the NLDS. That's the National League Division Series. It's the second game of two, and uh, the Braves take a two to zero lead in the series against the Miami Marlins. Uh, they beat them yesterday five. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was five to two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so Braves are just balling out. But today they beat the Miami Marlins. 2-0. to zero. So they take a 2-0 lead and they beat the Miami Marlins 2-0 to zero today. Uh, they finished up about uh, 5 or 4.45 or so, and I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, but really good, uh, really good play by the uh, Atlanta Braves so far. Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albies, man, they're, they're playmakers. Uh, they are really playing some good baseball lately. And uh, game three is going to be tomorrow. Uh, uh, first pitch is going to go out at 2.08. But yesterday, I'm sorry, that was a uh, yesterday's game. I completely messed that up. <laughs> the Miami Marlins put up five. The uh, Atlanta Braves put up nine, nine runs. Nine to five was the final yesterday. That was the first game of the uh, – that was the first game of the NLDS uh, – game so there's gonna be one more game for sure uh one more game tomorrow at 208 and if uh atlanta takes that three to lead looks like that's gonna be a sweep of the series and the atlanta braves will move on uh to i think i forget i forget how the bracket i forget what alcs is just uh, straight up it'll be nl or the nlcs uh i think so yeah Yeah. i think so and then it'll be the world series i'm pretty sure after that Mm -hmm. one all the wire games are over by this time so um so yeah really exciting for the braves if you're a braves fan like i am i love the braves um and so just really exciting to see um the Atlanta Braves doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't usually see them do well. Uh, <laughs> so uh, super exciting, and maybe they can uh, make a deep run. Maybe they can beat the. I think the Dodgers are going to be the team to beat the Los Angeles Most Dodgers. Likely, yeah. Very good baseball team, uh, phenomenal team. Uh, but man, you never know. This is MLB and uh, Atlanta could it, Braves. Could it be hot. the year? Could it be I don't the year? know. Uh, it'd be really good for uh, South Carolina because that, that's the closest MLB team we have. 
uh, is in Atlanta. Honestly, it'd be so. good for Atlanta because they've had so much heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Uh, in Georgia, sure. Just Georgia in general. For sure. So, uh, yeah, super exciting about the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pass it back to you for game picks. All right, guys. We'll get into our last segment here, game picks. You guys all know how it works. We have our top – or my I make my picks for the top five closest games of the week. I don't look at spreads or anything. It's all, you know, gut intuition and who I think – is going to be a close game. What might be played very well. And uh, made a note earlier, the Cowboys and Giants might have been on here, but it's being excluded. But uh, we'll just see how that goes off. But, Jamison, we're starting off with Thursday night football. We usually do Thursday night football, but, you know, sometimes we skip it. But Buccaneers and Tom Brady are coming. Buccaneers. The Buccaneers <laughs> are coming into town to Chicago to face Nick Foles. It's a Super Bowl 52 rematch between Brady and Foles. I mean, Foles didn't play too, too well this past weekend, but do you think he's going to step his A game up against Tom Brady and the Bucs? I think this one's going to go down. Man, I'm a Tom Brady man. I like the Tom Brady and the Buccaneers here, man. They're playing good. After they played that first game against the Saints, man, they're playing some good football. They haven't played some really, really good teams uh, so far, but uh, except for the Saints. Um, but the Buccaneers, man, I'm going to take the Buccaneers over the Bears all day. I don't think that the Bears can uh, hold off that Tom Brady offense. Yeah, likewise, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. This game's going to be closer than I think it's going to be. I can feel like it's going to be a game in the 20s, a little bit lower scoring, but I just don't know if I have the trust in Nick Foles and the Bears just yet. I mean, I mean, Nick Foles could show out in this game, you know, come back to his eagle self because it's against Tom Brady. Who knows what's going to happen, but I'm going to agree with you and go with the Buccaneers. And uh, shifting to a game Jamison teased a little bit earlier, Bills at Titans. This is two undefeated teams. The Titans were going to play the Steelers last week, so that was going to be an undefeated matchup. Missed out on that one, but we have another undefeated matchup for the Titans against the Bills and the red-hot Josh Allen. Jamison, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I hit on this one earlier. I'm going to take the Bills against the Titans here. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people expect. Uh, but I really am. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills here. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think the Titans are going to run the ball really well, and I think the the Bills are going to uh, play very well as well. I think it's going to be a, high, a higher scoring game in the 30s. I think it's going to be a 33-30. I think it's going to be a three-point game come down to last minute mm-hmm. or so. I think it's going to be a very close game. I'm going to take the Bills and give the Bills the edge. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you again. I'm going to go with the Bills. Josh Allen's balling out. He's in the MVP conversation, second in the league in passing. And then Stephon Diggs, their new receiver from Minnesota, first in the league in receiving yards. He has 400 and three receiving yards on the year. So I'm going to go run with the Bills here. They're on the road, but I like their offense so far. They're playing very up-tempo. And uh, like I said earlier, the Titans just, you know, they're playing very average. They just haven't beaten really good teams yet. They haven't beaten them by a very wide margin. So I'm, gonna, I'm liking the Bills here. We're going to go with them as well. Jamison, Panthers at Falcons, a, or NFC South matchup. Pretty much the battle for last in that division, it seems. Who is pulling this one out, Teddy Bridgewater or Matt Ryan in those Falcons? Yeah, I mean Teddy Bridgewater's playing well, and I think Matt Ryan is—he's uh, playing all right. He's not—he's got some playmakers around him that he needs to get the ball to a little bit more. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater without Christian McCaffrey, but still, I mean they've not haven't looked that bad without Christian McCaffrey uh, and that Joe Brady offense. But I'm gonna take the Falcons on this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. Uh, uh, who is that? Calvin Ridley on the mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons playing lights out. Unbelievable athlete. You still got Julio Jones um, out of, out of wide receiver. So I'm gonna take the Falcons. I think this one's gonna be a close game as well. Uh, they're at, in they're in Georgia in the uh, Mercedes Benz Superdome. Uh, so I'm going to take the Falcons. I think this one's going to be a very close game as well. Uh, but I'm going to take the Falcons on this one. I'm going dis- to dis- strategically disagree here. I'm going with the Panthers here. You know, They just had a big upset over the Cardinals, and I think that's going to carry with them to this game. Uh, the Falcons, they've looked good on offense, obviously, but the defense is still 
second to worst in the NFL. I think only behind the Seahawks, or they are the worst defense yards per game in the NFL. It's pretty much a race between them. It's the Seahawks and the Cowboys at this rate. But I'm going to go with the Panthers here. They've been pretty good without Christian McCaffrey, like you said. They haven't been that awful with that uh, with their running backs. I can't who they have. Like Mike Davis, I think, is back there right now. So they're not looking too bad. I'm going to go with them for the upset win. Upset win in quotes because they're technically 2-2 two and two over the 1-3 Falcons. But I think the Falcons are the better team. I'm going to go with the Panthers here in upset win. Jameson, Colts and Browns, two teams that had a very eventful week four. Browns obviously having a huge win over the Cowboys and the Colts beating the undefeated Bears and Nick Foles. Who do you have winning this game, offense versus defense? Yeah, I'm going to take the Colts here. I'm just going to take Phillip Rivers over uh, an experienced Phillip Rivers, and I, I think he's made a good adjustment to uh, into this Colts offense, and I think he's been a very big key factor uh, to their uh, successes. Um, and so I'm going to take um, I'm going to take the Colts over the Browns on this one. I just don't think that the Browns are going to carry as much momentum as people think they are from the Cowboys win. Uh, I don't think they're as good of a team as they um, as they want to be or as they think they are. Uh, so I'm going to take the Colts on this one. I'm going to agree with you here. I was going with the Colts. The Browns, you know, put up huge numbers against the Cowboys, but it's the Cowboys defense, uh, kind of an outlier in there. The Colts did what I said they were going to do last week against the Bears, and that's going to be be the best defense in the league like they are. And they shut them down, held the Bears to only 11 points in the entire game, 19-11 to 11, uh, Colts win. That's pretty much what I predicted. They're the number one defense in the league, only allowing 236 yards per game. So I'm rolling with Phillip Rivers here. They want to shut down that run game that the, uh, that the Browns have. They obviously put up 307 rushing yards against the Cowboys, but this is an absolutely different team right now. So uh, I'm going to go with the Colts here. Stop that run game without Nick Chubb. I don't think it's, a, it's not going to be very fair. So uh, Phillip Rivers and the Colts well, this game as well. And then Jamison, last game of the week, Chargers at Saints. It seems a little lopsided, but Justin Herbert just went toe-for-toe with Tom Brady. And Drew Brees has had a little slack recently, but he's look, they're playing at home and he's looking to make a comeback. How are you feeling about this one, Jamison? Yeah, you know, I've, I was just sitting here thinking, I was like, it's obvious that the Saints are going to win it. Uh, but then I started thinking about the Chargers and Justin Herbert from Oregon. Uh, and then I was like, man, is who's going to? Could the Chargers pull up an upset? I would consider this an upset. I'd consider the Saints having the edge. And I was just kissing and going back and forth, but then I realized that we're going against Drew Brees, and they're they're going to be at home. And so I'm going to take the Saints on this one. Uh, I think that's just a safe bet here. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be a good game. I think Justin Herbert's going to make a game of it, but. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one as well, but I think that Drew Brees is going to eventually come out on top early in the fourth quarter and uh, take it from there. The Saints, you know, they seem to the safe bet. They're in, they're in, um, what's it, in New Orleans, obviously, but they haven't looked too bad. They fell off 14 to nothing at the start against the Lions this past week in Detroit, and um, they made a comeback, obviously, but they didn't look the sharpest to start that game, and I think Justin Herbert and the Chargers can really take advantage of that. I mean, like I said, Justin Herbert went toe-for-toe with Tom Brady. He was 20-for-25, 290 yards, three touchdowns. That's pretty good for a rookie who wasn't even considered top two in his draft class behind Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. So I definitely think Justin Herbert can make a game out of this. Obviously, the Chargers lost Austin Eckler, so their run game's a little hurt right now, but their passing game's been phenomenal with the pieces that they have. You know, Jalen Guyton, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike, Mike, bleh, Mike, what's his name? I can't remember. But Keenan Allen, Dylan Guyton, uh, Hunter Henry, all those assets, they've been playing pretty good. And I'm going to go with the Chargers here in an upset on the road against the Saints. I just The Saints just haven't looked the same with uh, without Michael Thomas. So I'm going to go with this upset, make it a little different, Jameson. I might be putting my lead in the game picks on Je- in Jeopardy in here. Currently, if you aren't aware on Instagram, currently I am up 14-6 to six over Jameson, 12-8. to eight. So I had a very good start. I started off, what, 
four and one. I was start, I was nine and one to start, and then since then I've gone five and five. So I've split my last two weeks. But Jamison's making a steady comeback at twelve and eight. So we'll see where this one goes. Obviously, two different games being made this week. I have the Chargers. He has the Saints, and then he has the Falcons. And I no. He was the Panthers or the Falcons? I have the Falcons. He was the Falcons, I have yeah. the Panthers. Yeah, those are the two different games. So stay tuned to those two games. We'll see what it is. But, guys, thank you so much for listening this week. As always, follow us on social media at OffTheBenchXLR to see the clips and the quotes and the game picks from the show. It's all there for you to check out, especially from all the weeks in the past. If you guys want to go reminisce a little bit, go see what's up, and uh, you'll be very entertained there. And as well, if you weren't able to catch this entire episode on air on live, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Google Play Music. We're on Google Play Pod, or we're on Google Play Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, and we are on Spotify as well. So be sure to check us out on those platforms. You guys can listen. The show will be up about an hour after we end just now. So look around there, about an hour and two hours. Look around seven or eight. Our social media platforms post as soon as it goes up. So check us out on there, and you'll see us. Just search off the bench and look for our green, gray, and white logo, and you'll find us there as well. But Jameson, it's been a great show. How about you take us out? As always, hey guys, as always, stay in the game and off the bench. We'll see you next week, guys. Have a great week. With Metro by T Mobile, your hard earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal. A safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.